an AI can be good, but the, can it ever be as good as real people? And I would have my doubts about that. Welcome to the Human Era Podcast, a show where we discuss the future of humans in a world that is dominated by technology. What does tomorrow look like and how can we stay true to what we really are? Humans. Well, my name is Marvin, Marvin Kunz. I hail from the not too far country of Germany and I'm living in the Netherlands for quite a few years. My background is in psychology, more specifically social psychology. That's basically psychology that looks at behavior and our interactions with other people around us. And I lately have found myself to be to have become captivated by all of this world of technology and artificial intelligence and all of the things that you can do with numbers outside of the human realm as well. And what makes that so intriguing for you, that, that technology part? Um, yeah, a, a lot of people actually are like, well, if you're a psychologist, how do you come to technology or how, how do you come to numbers, to data? And to those, I always say it's actually not that different, right? We We try to understand humans, but it's actually pretty difficult to understand them, especially if you only use words. So what psychology does a lot is they use statistics. They like use tests, uh, surveys, and a lot of these things. And then they kind of break this down into numbers and then try to calculate something. So th there's really is a lot of overlap between technology and like data processing in AI and our way of how to look at humans, at least from a scientific point of view. And what is the first thing that you notice when like this piqued your interest? Like what is something that, that like a, a case that stood out and you said, wow, this is something I want to know more about. Um, <laughs> so so <laughs> apart, from, apart from a great song, right? The question, what is love? Mm -hmm. I, I, find, I, I found it's always super interesting, right? How do, you, how do you measure it? How do you understand it? And I mean, you, of course, you can, you can write about it, you can make beautiful songs, poetry, movies, and you can feel it, but it's super difficult to, to really understand it, right? And, and I mean, if you ask a person, how much in love are you, you know, from a scale from 1 to 10, that's, you, you might think it's a nice way, but it's, it's, it performs just horrible. You have no idea in the end how much they really are in love, right? And then it's, it's, you kind of need to find like smart little ways of how to really tap into this and then it becomes complicated and then you need something that helps you so you have emotions that are just really at the core of who we are as humans and paradoxically in order to understand them i just think you need technology you need you need these tools you need data you need statistics to really to really grasp it and what types of technology would you say are available now to to look at that? Because you're you're looking at um, the human aspect, um, and that's something I want to dive into because we got introduced because something you you wrote on the humans and technology intersection. Um, but but how can technology help in something so truly human, so something so emotional? Mm, so what technology do we have available? Right, I mean, f like any any research researcher nowadays, they basically use use programming languages like R or Python to like analyze the data because it's so complex. But I think it goes even further, right? Um, the way we, everything we talk about, right? I mean, if you would just transcribe our conversation, you would have all of this text and then you could start analyzing it. What are the emotions we express? How How is our vibe going in this conversation, right? So I think 
Um, that quickly goes into the domain of artificial intelligence, especially na natural language processing. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is a very interesting field where right, psychology and AI or psychology and technology can like, kind of overlap and, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully find an answer to what, uh, what is love, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a, a good question to have answered. Like, what is it actually? Uh, because people feel love, but it's hard to describe in words what it is. Um, and to you, it could be something different than, than to me, right? Exactly. But I'm curious um, because now you kind of transitioned into this, this field where you have um, your knowledge of psychology. Um, you have more and more knowledge on technology. Where do you th see things going for you personally? Like what do you want to um, see or, or research? Or? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, so on the one side, I think these two fields will uh, overlap more and more, start overlapping, right? Mm -hmm. the, the easier technology becomes, the less of an expert you need to be, the more people like me will start to pick it up, like people without a tech background. And I think in the long term, so, so psychology is really a field that kind of grows and lives from the methods it has available. Like our, right, if you, if you look back at history and you look like at, at Freud and this uh, psychological uh, stuff and then, right, you, you look from how, how it changes there and then people came up with uh, behaviorism, right, that you can like kind of mm -hmm. teach behaviors of, like Skinner and then it went more into the cognitive realm. And it, I think there's always, we always developed our understanding of how humans work based on this, these techniques we had and, and related to that also technologies. And I think the new this new wave of of AI, right? This this how can we how can we unwrap the language that people use? Will change this again? Will give rise to like a, maybe a new side discipline? Maybe it will uh, it will be more prevalent in almost every field of psychology. But I think at least in the social science, uh, the technological impact will be felt a lot. And how would we feel that? Mm. Because now, like you said, now now we've gone from um, learning about the human mind and human behavior um, into studying how we work, how our brains work, basically, and then developing ways of working towards new systems, towards new optimizations, if you will, for human behavior. Um, so we now understand the brain more. Uh, and like you said, we can, we can teach um, specific systems to humans or specific behaviors. Um, would you say that technology is just the next level from where we've gone from the, like the 1700s to where we are today? Um, would it be like a next step or are we moving really far away from where we have been previously? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I would say there are several ways of how, it, of how these fields overlap, right? Um, on the one side, we, we always use kind of this, the, the most advanced technology available at the time to use a metaphor for the brain. So right in the early days, it was like the, the, the brain was a bit like a steam engine. <laughs> you, you, have to, you have to let off steam. We still use this in our, our mm -hmm. modern vocabulary, right? Um, and then later on it became like, oh, it's a bit more like a computer, right? That it's bits and pieces. What's the, how, how fast does the brain work? How fast do neurons work? Um, so I think, right. I think now the next, next iteration there might be, right. It's more like going to be like an AI with our, and uh, we kind of have this already with, um, with, with our biases and heuristics, right. These are basically mental shortcuts that we use to navigate our world. 
that uh, that people now say, oh, this is basically just like a an AI wrongly classifying an input or or, mm-hmm. or over generalizing a certain certain pattern, right? So you already find this idea of technology back in the description, how we describe our mind, how we describe us as people. And I think that's uh, that's that's an interesting transition. I think this will just happen naturally. And I think apart from that, um, what is also going to be very interesting is just the, the, the kind of testing, like on a very sciencey way we can use, right? So like uh, new surveys, and now you, you can use maybe maybe a chatbot as a survey, right? It's a bit more interactive. And on the other side, I think also think that technology, the way we interact with it just has an impact on, on who we are and how our brains develop and how our interaction with our social environment kind of develops. So I think these fields will also be very uh, important in the years to come. <laughs> and, and where does that, that leave um, humans? Because if, if I look at my personal perspective, um, and this could be a personal viewpoint, but um, I've grown up with technology being something that does things that humans cannot do uh, in a sense that we build machines to do heavy lifting Hmm. i personally am unable to lift a container uh, for shipping i'm unable to but we have machines that can do so Um, and we're developing technology that can do it easier or faster or maybe even uh, automatically Um, and then there's humans that do human things so uh, being creative and researching people and doing surveys and talking and gathering information and translating that into actions. Um, now we see a little bit of an overlap or actually a big overlap um, in technology being more intelligent. Like you mm-hmm. said, the start of artificial intelligence. Um, where do you see that going for us humans if technology is now can I say compete on our level rather than doing things that we were unable physically to do? Do you see a a competition there or how how do you see that? Um, Very interesting. Um, Also very interesting field to talk about at at the current time. Um, Because I think, just as you said, right, we have some inherently human domains like creativity or art. And I think if you would have asked people five or six years ago, they would have told you, oh, creativity is going to be last. Mm-hmm. But now uh, maybe you've you've uh, seen this uh, DALI 2 or the latest f- uh, open source uh, implementation of it, a stable diffusion model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're amazing. You can just tell it what, you do, what it should draw or what it should make, and it makes it, often beautifully so. And uh, even with a twist on the words that you use to describe it or you get a new idea. And it's really challenging the human claim that oh we are cre- we are the creative species around <laughs> here we can we got this figured out so i th- i think uh, on the one side i think it's 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 a bit of a humbling experience right that these things we assume to to be human are now like oh or oh, oh, maybe they aren't that special but on the other side i think how it, how things work now at the moment i think it's a very nice interaction at, at least for me i think um um if, if you'd give me ten thousands of these beautiful images that dali generates and they're like wow hmm, great uh, i think it w- still wouldn't be as nice as if a hundred selected by a human that tell a certain story from their point mm-hmm. of view so i think there still is very much 
a human component that is necessary, right? Whether it's just us being social animals and me wanting to kind of know where you come from, even though the creative tools that you use are somewhat different or more diverse than what they used to be before. Yes, so I think um, while we are being challenged in a lot of things, I rather think it's a, it's a cooperation rather than competition. That sounds good. Yeah, I, I like the word cooperation. Um, would you say that, um, especially if you look at the art kind of thing where we say, oh, humans are um, still the creative beings, um, more if you even look at animals, like we are super creative. Um, now we have technology that is creative on its own. Um, but if you talk about a corporation, could it be that it's just another tool for us? Because if you use DALI, for example, um, it's still you as a human being are the one that does the input of what you want the AI to create for you, uh, which is using images created by humans in the past. So it's still kind of a, a human thing. Um, would you consider it a new tool where, you know, if you're a painter, you use your brush, uh, your, your, your brushes. Um, if you are uh, someone who makes music, you use technology and you, you use tools anyway. Would you say it's just adding to the realm of creative tools that we have? Um, yeah, sure. <clears throat> and I mean, I mean, even though we call it artificial intelligence, I don't necessarily think it's intelligent yet, right? A lot of these things that we... <clears throat> that we uh, use are just merely they, they're representing what we already kind of have mm. so Dali wouldn't be as great as if wouldn't be as great if we, we hadn't had so many thousands and thousands of images on the internet available for, for, for us to feed to it mm. so I think it's just a very fancy Photoshop version where the UI UX is very simple you use language and then kind of make something for you so i i would say yes it certainly is a tool at this moment in time um and the question remains whether it will be more than that and how that will be how that will look specifically and what about tools that we start using in business because dali is is fun we can use it um, it's not a new picasso because it's not dreaming up its own pictures but it's using information mm. um but what what do you see happening and, and i'm kind of referring to the article that you wrote on medium um which i think we should post in the show notes uh, oh, because yes, i think yeah. it's an interesting read um but how do you see that happening in the business culture if because those tools are specifically made to be more efficient than us human beings. Um, mm. Do you see a difference there compared to like art and things that we could use in our free time or to create cool things? Um, do you see a, a difference there, especially uh, on the, like the human psychology part of that? Um, so on the, on the business side of things, I think that, um, I, I mean, I mean, business is all about optimization, right? Mm -hmm. We want to keep the costs slow or lower the costs order to, to make it a better uh, cost-output ratio. And I think there, um, a lot of companies, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of services are, are just all about making things more lean, more efficient. And I think that AI uh, technology, especially the NLP technology more than the making art AI, mm -hmm. will be uh, very interesting, right? Look, if we look at legal texts, if we look at interactions, if we look at, at, at customer interactions, right, with, with, in the form of conversational AI mm -hmm. or chatbots, I think these will really impact a, a lot of how we deal with things. And I think that 
I, I, I hope that it will have a positive effect. Uh, I'm I'm optimistic enough to say that it will, but uh, I think it's still out there, right? Whether it will really happen that way or not. What makes you so optimistic about it? I'm not, I'm not trying to go into the negative, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just curious, like, what do you see that makes you so positive about it? Mm, I think... I, I think we, we are intrigued by technology, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, and maybe a couple of the people listening as well. And I think it's like, it's, it's a bit of a life choice, right? But it also costs a lot of time, right? You you read articles, you're like, oh, let, let's code this a bit. I want to try this. And it's just something that becomes a part of your life. And I think that's cool. That's lovely. But I also recognize that a lot of people need, maybe don't have the time or the interest or the capacity to do so. And there, I think having something that's a bit more dynamic, and I th- especially think having something, having like an AI that kind of can talk to you, that can kind of change the way it presents information, right? In a text form, in a voice form, in, in, or in a conversation, that this will make life a lot easier for people and, and will also really make this whole let's use technology to change something way more democratic and more open. But how do you see that? And and again, I'm referring to to the article that you wrote. Um, there's this AI tool that replicates a human being. I think it's called Replica. Exactly. Yeah. Um, on on the one hand, that's impressive, uh, especially the reason why it was created. Because I think it was created to um, replicate someone who passed away. Um, so the one who stayed behind had someone to talk to and to refer to to that specific person um, that grew into something that we can now use as the public. Um, how do you see that as an effect on human behavior towards other people? If we now have technology to talk to as if it's a human being, what does that do to our social interactions? Um, excellent question. And I think it would be easy to say here, uh, well, it might have detrimental consequences, right? It's Things are very easy to. Um, in, in German, we have a saying to uh, basically to paint the devil on the wall mm-hmm. to basically say, "Oh, this could be the worst, right? This could be uh, uh, be the downfall of society." But I think the truth is we don't know, mm-hmm. and I think it's also way more of how we deal with these technologies and how addictive they will be made, rather than just the availability of it. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, uh, um, there, there was a, re- a very interesting podcast that the Lex Friedman podcast where he talked with a psychologist Jonathan Haidt about how addictive are how addictive is social media right mm-hmm. and it's not addictive for everybody in the same degree but some people are just very vulnerable to it and I think if these technologies will be used in a bit of a responsible way then they can benefit a lot of people however they always remains also the danger of, of it becoming addictive and really nice. But that goes for basically everything, um, part of technology. And, and I think that whoever um, controls the way it's being used, um, I think that that really weighs on how addictive it is. Um, for example, the social media that we have now is created to lure our attention into mm-hmm. it, um, sending nudges and you know letting you know who's also on the platform, friends you haven't spoken to for a while, um, basically creating FOMO, making sure that <laughs> <Yeah>. you want to <laughs> you know you want to go back there. Um, and you could also use Replica to create FOMO, uh, someone to talk to or someone to um, feel relaxed uh, around. Um, so. Uh, 
of course, I think that the danger always is who decides where this goes. Um, and, you know, someone is more susceptible <laughs> to being uh, addicted to something. And that, that's on a, a personal thing. Um, but how do you see that as um, an influence on where we are going as a human species? Because... Um, the, the difference I personally see between like social media and something like Replica is that social media um, is still uh, the people I, I kind of know. Mm. Um, on LinkedIn, it could be business contacts or, or new uh, prospects. Um, on Instagram, it's for me personally, it's people that I've met personally and, and I know in real life. Um, so if I have an interaction with them, it's human to human interaction. Yeah. Um, if I would have the same interaction with um, uh, an artificial intelligence that gives me the feeling that it's just as intelligent as a human being, um, what would that do for me on like a social level? Um, but even more so, how would that impact younger generations who don't know the difference between being offline and online? Do you see a potential impact there? Uh, absolutely. And um Going back to the Replica app, right? They have this paid service that the AI can be your your partner, right? Mm -hmm. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or your spouse, your husband, your wife. And I think that's problematic at best, if not dangerous at worst. And I, I think I think for most people, um, if you're very well integrated in your social environment, uh, it's. I mean, people are people are the best, right? <laughs> Even though if it sometimes doesn't seem like that, but it's just right. It's if, if we're happy and we share emotions with our happiness with other people, we are become even happier, right? Mm. Yeah. If we're sad, we become less sad. We become less bored if we spend time with people. And I think there always remains a dimension um, that AI can never touch, literally, because it's it is touch. It is human, your physical touch, right? Our brain releases oxytocin. We, we we just feel nice. We get a bit more of a serotonin kick. <clears throat> so, an AI can be good, but the, can it ever be as good as real people? And I would have my doubts about that. That being said, I think if you then go into the realm of people that aren't very well socially integrated, right? Maybe maybe especially teenagers that are questioning their own place in society, right? Uh, and, and I mean, this kind of is this teenager deal, right? Figure out your life, figure out the path you want to walk down. And it's it can be really rough. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think when you then have something coming in, like providing you with something like with just love and affection and not being judged. And I think that then can easily turn to something like people like, oh, wow, this is this is how it should be. Right. P people haven't formed these social bonds yet that they become really vulnerable and really open to to this coming in and kind of wrecking havoc with mm -hmm. their relationships and to other people but isn't isn't if we um look at it as something separate so we look at replica which is something that we can communicate with um, then we have vr or the metaverse which is something else um what if we combine them? Because you're saying like if 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 we were having if we would have an interaction, um, we are now sitting in the same room, which is different than the conversation we had before, which was online. Yeah. There's a different vibe. Um, and if if I were to shake your hand, then you know it would be a, a formal introduction. But because it's it's um, physical touch, um, you get a different sense of that person, right? Like in a, in a in a um, mm. uh, not so obvious way. Um, but what if because we are used to that. 
Um, I, I don't know your exact age, but I think we're kind of at the same age where we know what social interaction is. We uh, had so many social contacts. And when I, were, when I was young, I used to play outside and, you know, do football, yeah. etc. So I wasn't even used to say, sitting inside playing video games. Um, the youth that we have now has a combination of that. They have their physical friends, but they meet them online, mm -hmm. uh, you know, through, th through games. And sometimes they meet them outside. So it's a, like a hybrid form. Um, but what if you have a generation that's growing up right now who is used to being online often, very often, and then you have like a replica kind of thing in VR where you can have the technology that kind of provides feedback. So for instance, there's this AI person in VR who is digitally touching your shoulder. You could sense feedback through technology. Yeah. Um, how does that impact the human brain in that sense? Could it trick us? Um, I, I think it could trick us. Um, I, I, I would at least say there, there's more evidence that suggests that we our brain could be slowly tricked into like oh this is the real deal mm -hmm. and i mean this is i think this brings a whole bag of questions with itself that go even beyond this whole social interaction thing right i mean if we can make a vr vr world that's so nice that you you meet the perfect people and that and you can make them react to you as you want and you can be in an environment that you want to be why would you still really not do that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if if you can live everything you ever wanted, like just make your fears go away and all your doubts go away and just live in your, your own VR paradise. I mean, that sounds pretty nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know whether I would want to do this 24-7, but I, I could definitely see myself falling like a bit of prey to that and like being there way more. And I mean, then what is it? Is it going to be like the Matrix, like the perfect world and, and outside is going to kind of collapse? I mean, that's a <laughs> tricky question, tricky, but also very interesting to think about. It is because I, I think I heard it somewhere. Maybe we talked about it that you could build an environment where we as humans just need physical food. Um, and everything else we can get online. Um, and it's interesting what you said, because if it does make us happy and it's the new normal to us and we grow up with it, um, I mean, we used to live in caves uh, hunting like wild animals. I would be devastated if I were to have to do that tomorrow, oh, right? Yeah. Because that's not my reality. Um, so yeah, I could imagine that if we create technology that makes us happy without the physical touch that we think we need or the physical world that we think we need because it's just our standard of living mm. right but this standard of living has changed over the decades as well um so so could it be just a part of like our regular evolution to go more towards that technology space yeah um maybe and i, I mean i mean right it's it's not just human touch right it's also like this whole this whole uh, latent space of emotions that mm -hmm. comes with it right is is the kiss you're gonna be given during uh, through vr is gonna feel the same as, as normally mm -hmm. right i mean if if we have 200 more years and very smart people working on it maybe but then the que i mean the question will remain do we react to this the way we react to the real deal mm -hmm. um and if yes i mean it is, it is all just in our head in the end, in a way. Even though it's a bit more complex mm. than that, but right, we, we we could end up there. We could be there. We could be made to live in our own little perfect 
metaverse, uh, right? <laughs> if that's what meta is really going for. Uh, and yeah, I think this will also require like a lot of shifts in, in, in culture and the value systems that, that we live with, right? And people also need to figure out whether that's really the reality they want to live in. And based on your 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 findings and your experience, if we go towards a world where we have even more technology, uh, but it's it's cooperating with humans, mm. so we have more tools and maybe we have more free time, or we need less work or less money, which would be convenient. Um, what would you say is something that we as humans would focus on? Because we always talk about like innovation is technology and people think about AI and VR as innovations, but you can also innovate on the human side. Mm. Uh, what would you see as like a human innovation that we should take up if we have more technology? Like what should we focus on as human beings? Mm. Something I would really like to see, and I think it would be the, well, I wouldn't, I'm hesitant to call it an innovation because it's rather looping back into what has been there before is to increase the amount of, of social meaningful social interactions again because uh, while being a psychologist while liking technology uh, technology i do find that sometimes um yeah yeah i would even say lonely right just working with computer mm -hmm. right working with technology being productive in our day and age being a a, a, a a one uh, a really good member of society you you're eff efficient you're productive you're technologically uh uh well versed you like i find there's way less space for the social things and i think it would be really nice to have this kind of loop back in the sense that we have more free time and instead of investing it into more uh, productivity what what we do often now we go back and Maybe not to the to the core family. Maybe to something else, right? Maybe to more to uh, groups based on hobbies, on ideas, on common ideas, on common values, right? Uh, so I think that would be really nice and a nice human innovation. And how how would we do that? Because we are so trapped in. Um, I think we're trapped in 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 the in the digital world, and then especially on what happens on social media. Um, like I said, it's it's created to lure us into that whole loop of mm -hmm. you know the information that they provide, um, the the sales that they try and do, um, and I I see and and many people see that and I don't know have you seen the the social dilemma, yeah. On a, so it's designed to lure us into their funnel basically. Mm -hmm. um, the social media is also what we create. Everything that's on there is created by humans. I mean, Facebook doesn't post all those things we do. Same thing for Instagram, TikTok, etc. Um, so what happens is that the social realm um, starts to build up on social media. So that's where we now show the stuff that we have and talk to the people that we know. Um, what would we need to do, in your opinion, to like get, like get ourselves away from that social part of life and go into the more actual social part of life? Um, I do not necessarily think that the lower levels of social interactions are mainly due to um, social media or technology. I rather think it's it's a symptom of um, a set of values that's very much focused on productivity and optimization. Um, 
in the 1980s, I think, maybe 83, 84, there was a, a sociologist named Putnam, and he published a book uh, called Bowling Alone. Mm. And it was uh, his observations in the United States and his observation that uh, the bowling clubs that were very prevalent throughout the United States had strongly and rapidly decreased in numbers in this decade. And I think this is just kind of, well, maybe it was the starting point, maybe it was just one observation in this in this kind of path that kind of started with, right, we, we have more free time now, right? Technology makes things easier, mm-hmm. not just computer technology, but also uh, technology producing things that make life easier, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have to go hunting. We don't yeah. have to <laughs> kill an animal tomorrow <laughs> in order to be fed. We, we have more time, but we somehow seem to be investing this time into working more towards the, the, the prime directive of, of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I think, being successful. I th- we, we might have slightly different uh, definitions of it, right? So for some, it's more on making money. For others, it's, it's learning more. But also, also for me, even though I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'll, I would ever be able to make to make to be successful in a corporative setting or in a, in a company setting, mm-hmm. I still have values with which I uh, judge my own actions, right? And those are more the values that make me rather work instead of going out with friends, or right, rather do something I, I, I that makes me see myself as successful, rather than be, just being social. So I think this is the the, the background against which all of this happens. And then when you are productive, when you work a lot, then it's a very easy opening for social media to come in, mm-hmm. right? Because even the best behavioral model, um, it, it, I mean, it can not make you do things you don't want to do. It can, it kind of uses these little moments of weakness and then it really gets you, <laughs> gets you and then it's, it works, it's, it's uh, witchcraft. So I think this is really, it's a bit of the, the, the the combined efforts of right the shift in society but also the shift in technology that make it so that more and more people are becoming lonely right that that friendships are behaving le- or are a bit uh are developing less on a regular basis and i think that's something that you see very broadly especially in the younger population nowadays i think that's also a a personal thing right because i I personally look at technology as something that I could actually build more friendships with. Um, well, not more friendships in like the actual numbers, but the friendships that I have, I can talk to them more often because I have technology where I used to have to visit them physically mm. to, to see them uh, when I was younger. Like when you go and pick up your friends, um, now technology allows me to quickly ask uh, my friends how they are doing, how their day was without having to go there. So I have more interactions, but with less people. But the the people that I have around me, I have deeper connections with because I have more interactions. So I know more what's going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you um, personally um, optimize yourself? If I well, not optimize, but um, let me let me put it this way: If I were to give you technology to free up five hours of your week um, to spend however you want. How would you try and spend those five hours? Hmm. Mm. For for me, I, I, what I really like to do with my free time is uh, 
then to work on something like I work with uh, Tech Labs. It's a it's a uh, non-profit educational uh, organization that <laughs> that tries to teach uh, technology to people. <laughs> Maybe now that I say it, it's a bit of a the snake eating uh, itself from the tail. Um, no, but it's it's nice to bring to bring a social dimension into into technology that way, right? Connect people to each mm -hmm. other, uh, and I think having this right trying to pick people up what what they find interesting where they still want to develop themselves in and and just see them develop in that path it's it's really nice and i think i would like to continue to work in that way um because it's just it that's for me the combination of this of the social realm and this technological realm right just meet people that do something you find mm -hmm. cool in the area around you i think that's that's kind of uh rat <laughs> <laughs> and and where would you want to put your focus on for like the next five years um is there a certain part of technology or or innovation that you find so fascinating that you would want to dive into it um yes i think um conversational artificial intelligence is going to be really interesting mm -hmm. uh like i referred to it in the in the article right you have things like um, now google lambda it will likely be released within the next one or two years right and really looking into this into into this potential future that we mapped out there earlier right how how nice can it be how dangerous is it mm. is it going to make people addictive is it going to or is it really going to help people to to improve their own lives right i think this is um a space i find incredibly fascinating and i'm kind of excited about being being alive right now and being <laughs> where i am because it's so it's 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 like for the first time in history happening and and these fields are converging. So I think this is a, yeah, this is what I'm going to look at for the next five years and see how this field develops and whether I can make a, a stand in there myself. That sounds good. I, I kind of recognize what you said. I, I recently had a thought of, um, I'm happy that I'm alive right now because so much is happening, uh, which um, kind of makes me not want to die because <laughs> I, I want to know how everything pans out, yeah. right? Because um, it's it's a fascinating time. Uh, but I think um, things are going so fast right now that, that the, the innovations, the technological innovations that we're seeing right now are so fascinating. And because one enables so many others, like the internet has done for us, like enabled so much innovations, um, that I, I'm, I, I'm getting FOMO on life itself because yeah. uh, I don't want to miss out on, on where things are going. Um, do you have any particular research that you're looking forward to or um, that, that you reflect on and that you really see happening right now? Um, yeah, maybe maybe I hinted a bit already at it when, when I spoke earlier about, about psychology. Mm -hmm. right? being, being a psychologist and coming from the social domain, right? I, I kind of want to understand and know how we humans behave in different environments and i think having conversational eye being used in that field is gonna be the icing on the cake mm. because it will kind of help us with, with helping people get to know themselves better that that we can understand better how humans evolve behave what they do and at least for me and with, with my background it would be super interesting to know right also to also just then to 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 use this knowledge for myself how 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 am i how's my happiness normally functioning how can i maybe make myself a bit happier by changing my routine right we uh we talked about uh maybe before the recording about um 
about where where do you want to live, how close mm -hmm. to work or far away, right? And, there, and there's research that kind of backs both sides, a bit further away, a bit closer. And I, I think, well, I'm, I'm not, not going to move to test this out personally, but it's just nice, right, to, to know this and, and to play around with this when, when you kind of have to make decisions in your life. Yeah, because what we what we spoke about before the recording was um, well, we started out talking about the office where we work. We exactly. are both in Rotterdam right now, um, looking at the the pretty skyline, um, and we we talked about um, how and, and I hate to to bring it up, but the, the pandemic how it changed the way we work and go to the office. Uh, we've seen it here in Rotterdam where we were unable to actually go to the office because where we are right now had been closed down because of the restrictions, um, which made me personally think about what do I want to do and, and can I work from home? Do I enjoy working from home? Um, I, I don't really enjoy working from home because I, I like seeing other people, but I get inspired by seeing other people work. Um, and I, I kind of want to be the hardest worker in the room. And if I see people working really hard, then that triggers oh. me to, you know, work even harder. And um, so, so I kind of need <laughs> people around me that work hard and, and do their best. Um, but also just to be in a, in a vibe where, where, yeah. you know, people are working. Um, but also the city as well. I, yeah. I use public transportation. As soon as I step out of the bus that I use um, on the central square that we have right here in the middle of the center, um, you, you kind of feel the vibe of the city um, and you see people moving around and that kind of brings me into work mode. Um, and then I, I read this, 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 this study or this, this article about people needing um, to move away from work because um, we mentally need to distance ourselves from either the office or the work that we leave behind over there. Um, and I, I think it was even more so for men than for women for some reason. Um, yeah, men tend to get home cranky um, if they don't have that like window of time. Um, and I think it's 15 to 30 minutes that we need to just wind down. Um, that Especially before the pandemic, we used to naturally get it from commuting from mm. work to home. Um, because then you're either in traffic or public transportation and you're kind of um, giving it everything. You're replacing everything in your mind, like, you know, everything that happened, all the issues that you had and all the frustrations that you have. You kind of like set them somewhere apart in your brain and then you go home. And then once you get home, you can leave it behind. You can kind of close the door doesn't mean that you cannot think about work when you're at home or that it doesn't happen, um, but you're not in work mode. Um, like we are here at the office, people are just like running around doing their work. Um, we, we physically need to get away from that. Um, and the thing is that we, we were unable to do so during the pandemic. Everyone was working at home and, and I yeah. used to joke around that um, my wife and I were working at the dinner table right. and like the right chairs were like work and then we moved to the left chairs to have dinner, right? So, you know, office and work was a commute of like five seconds. Um, and as soon as things opened, I, I got the sense that I needed to get back to the office because I just yeah. couldn't work from home because it wasn't a work environment. Uh, too many things that reminded me of being at home as well, like, you know, just grabbing some food, being in the kitchen, running into my wife, having a conversation that I don't really have time for. Um, so that's when I noticed that we kind of actually need that transition from office to, to work. Um, but now the situation has changed, um, as we see around us as well. Many people work from home. Um, we have more technology that enables us to work from home. Um, how do you see that for yourself? Like, do you recognize the whole needing to get away from work or? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, a lot of the things you just said I can relate to. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't work from home. It's, it's definitely not working out for me. 
I, I need to get out. And and for me, it's it's um it's biking over the Erasmus Bridge. Mm. It's just my my little moment of sweating and happiness. And then when I get over it and you roll down, it's either that I'm mentally at work or mentally home. And and that's 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 just perfect for me. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a fan of having an office somewhere close by. Like for right now, the commute is like is ten minutes, which uh, I'm gonna tell my girlfriend about the research that will explain why I might sometimes be cranky coming home. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I, I I also like it. I just like working with people. I I need a social input because otherwise I'm uh, it's 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 very easy to look out the window and start dreaming or, or let the mind wander off. Yep. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> and especially the, the things that, well, speaking from, from personal experience again, is that um, I used to then like, go on a walk in the afternoon to get some fresh air, mm. um, but I was still in work mode, um, which meant that I was just walking. And my wife used to join me, and she is um, uh, a lot more profound in in separating the two so she could like get out of a meeting and then feel free to just you know have a walk in the sun and take a breather um and i was always stuck in work mode it could be because i run my own business which makes it even closer to home basically um but when we were walking outside i used to be like cranky and moody and and just like in in focus mode basically mm. thinking about work and not really focusing on having small talk um and now I notice that once I get home back from the office, um, and it, it could be 15 to 20 minutes if I'm lucky, um, which which potentially is too short to actually have that like commute time. Um, but it's it's like a physical border between work and home. And I kind of recognize what you what you said. I think you have the same crossing the bridge is either working or going home. That's like a physical, as soon as you cross the bridge, then you're either at work or at home, right? And and I I think people people need that. Um, how how will we do that in the near future as humans in general? Mm, well, provided right, it's going to be more tech related, right? Maybe maybe we have our VR office, mm. uh, and then you just like pop up pop on the classes. Um, I I so on the one thing on the one side I really see the, this this act of moving somewhere and having like 10 or 15 minutes pass i think that will be nice on the other side i think it's also really the our environment mm -hmm. our, the input the things we see the things right even the things we smell that kind of help our brain to get into the certain mood um there's also a whole body of research that for example is looking at um if, if you are working on something in a specific field and you chew a certain kind of gum, right? And every time you, you chew this gum, it, it helps you to just get into this mood, provided this moment is, or this kind of working context is the only moment when you chew this kind of gum, right? This is kind of this uh, behavioral pairing. So I think uh, if we have our VR classes, then it might be uh, something like having a starting room, right? Maybe having getting into the office there. I, I could see... I could see a similar mechanism taking place and maybe then you you could even uh, let the VR uh, classes load with you sitting in a bus and driving to the, <laughs> to the office. Might be nice. That would be a good experience, especially talking about smells and, you yeah. know, I mean, public transportation isn't always as, as nice as it sounds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but all things considered, yeah, I, I do kind of believe that 
if if we were to be conditioned on having a different environment even if it's digitally mm. you can still leave it behind and maybe that's something that we need to get used to because that the commute is also based on the things that we know from today right exactly. it's what we need right now um because we're used to moving from work to home but if work is digital i could imagine wearing vr glasses and then being in like a digital room shutting it off and seeing my own home and then feeling home yeah. uh, because i think the, the the problem for me personally was the fact that my home looked the same as my office when i worked from home yeah. um, i had the same stuff but if i had a different view or maybe even a different room that was just a work room so not the mm -hmm. room where we also do the laundry or you know if you have a, a dedicated office at home i, I could feel that is different um, i i wholeheartedly agree i think um having just a room in your house where you uh just worked really mm. i think that's already helps you a lot and um i i, I think it i think it's very healthy for everybody to have this but the problem is to have it right i mean if you look at the uh, uh, um, rental prices at the moment in yeah. the netherlands like oof. <laughs> yep uh, it would be a luxury sure but one at least i don't think i can afford anytime soon <laughs> but then technology would be a good solution then we True. can cooperate with technology to create it True. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Maybe. Uh, I mean, you could even sit in in your living room or so, and uh, but then just having all the the wallpaper change, right? Having it a bit more sleek, less homely looking, a bit more office kind of style. That maybe could already do the trick. That, that would be that would be nice to look at. And and as a psychologist, I must say I would like to research this. Right. <laughs> it would it would be interesting uh, study. Yeah, I would be interested to see what that does to the human brain and the, the human behavior. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is something that we are just working towards, right? That we start getting used to new environments. Um, and like I said, and, and there's so much discussion also about kids using technology. Um, one says it's bad for them. They need to know what the physical world is like. Others are saying, well, it's technology. It's something that they're going to use anyway. So I might as well teach them how it works so they could master it quicker. Um, and then combine it with the social norms that we have and, you know, the understanding of, of human beings. Yep. Um, how do you how do you see that for like younger generations? Do they do they need that separation or how, how would you personally feel about that? Um, I think it, it depends what technology you use. Um, I mean, you just refer to right to just being outside and playing a bit. And I, th I think. Uh, this this playing part is really important right mm. i mean playing especially in, in how we are being brought up it's very important for us to learn how to deal with people that are on the same level as we right i mean if you have six or seven year olds playing with each other i think it's really nice for them to see even like even if there's a big kid he can't always bully the bully the small kids mm. Not because of punishment from the adults, but because the small kids don't want to play then with with the bully anymore, mm. right? I think this is a very important part of socialization in in the life of children, and I think that with technology you can still have, right? You could play. I mean, I mean, the the, the most popular game in the world is called what Roblox. It's mm -hmm. this, Roblox, yeah, exactly, right? It's I think the most of the users are very young, and mm -hmm. they kind of have this play interaction with. And I could also imagine there if you're cheating or if you're uh, doing other things that are not very desirable, screaming into your mic and everybody <laughs> mutes you. It's, mm -hmm. I think there, there's a form of behavioral regulation that the others will still give you feedback. So I think that's a part of technology that can make it nice and easy for people to or for children to kind of learn something still. 
Um, while on the other side, you have things like TikTok or Instagram. And I think these are way more focused on, on right to see and be seen. And it's all the feedback there is, uh, I don't know. Well, may, maybe I'm just not a great social media user, but I think <laughs> the feedback there is never like nice. It was like, I was, even if it's a compliment, it's like, ah, great, but I wish there would have been five more, mm, yeah. right? It's, it's rather a class half empty kind of thing. And I think this technological side is, is much more detrimental to how children are raised or how people are being socialized. Yeah, and I think in, in the difference between like a social media platform and things like Roblox is that in Roblox they uh, create and they they use their fantasy to um, build something. Um, and, and I see that that also shows in, in a lot of research is that social media kind of builds this image and people want to portray something that they are not, um, which influences young people in a, in, a, in, a, in a bad way. Plus, there's a lot of anonymous bullying going on. And like you said, if whatever they post, they're also they're always getting negative feedback and, yeah. and, you know, being hammered on the fact that, you know, they either create too little or too often or it's never good enough. Um, and, and that does impact how they feel. And I think... If, if they have an environment where they can just create, um, it's the same that I used to do when I was young and I was outside. We created stuff or we mm -hmm. built something or, um, and but now they do that in a digital space, but it's still creating and still using their imagination. So then again, it would be just the tools that we had in the physical world, exactly. just another tool, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree, right? I mean, um, you have, uh, I read about houses where, where for teenagers that are very, Asocial, and then they were playing. Uh, they would be playing Minecraft together, mm. right? And then building a castle together, right? That was like the task, and it was kind of cool because they were like in this age. Uh, and then if you would steal somebody's things, you you would be punished, right? Mm. And I, I think this, these are like amazing tools of how indeed you build something together. And and I think then if something is being judged, it's not you that's being judged, mm. but the thing you've built. Yeah. Whereas in social media. It is kind of you that's being judged, right? Mm -hmm. Any any compliment or or mean comment, it's always just targeted at you, and I think that makes it also hit home differently. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've really enjoyed our conversation so yeah. far. Um, before I want to close down uh, this this episode. Um, could you give us a final thought? And it, it could be on anything that we discussed, but it could also be something brand new. Like, what would be your final thought for us? Mm -hmm. I think that within the next five to 10 years, it will be much more, it will become much more normal to talk while there's no human around. Mm -hmm. And I think it, you will rather talk to a computer or maybe even to yourself. It's also a sign of mental health, by the way. <laughs> but I think it's going to be a new form of interacting with technology, mostly through a conversational interface, mostly through talking. And I think it will make a lot of things easier. And I do hope that it will rather go uh, towards the better side than the worse. Those are some good final thoughts. Um, thank you so much for being here today and, and sharing your, your, your uh, knowledge and your experience on uh, both the human side and the technology side. So thank you for being here. Uh, my pleasure. It was really nice. Thank you very much for the conversation. Thank you very much for the invitation. Pleasure was all mine. And to you out there listening, thank you. Stay tuned and stay human. Stay human.